welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for The Snowman. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Murkowski. Uh, my, uh, my dad just calls me ice cream. And with a snowman tagline, Kelly Wand. If you try to slip anything past this hairy hole, you better be prepared for a bloodbath. Oh, my God. Oh, sorry I asked. Got Kelly Wand, are there, are there more? Yeah. <laughs> From what I saw in Shame, Fassbender could have spelled out his whole name in this. Okay, I got one more. <laughs> we have to think about that one. I think I got it, but go ahead. It's a pee joke. Pee in the snow. Oh. Yeah, but the size of you. Never mind. Dingus, go ahead. <laughs> I explain. I don't explain. No, I know what he's saying. <laughs> I thought of that, Dingus. If it makes, if it makes you feel in your defense. Uh, my final one is, no, your other right one in. Oh, okay. I got that. No, well, don't go. Okay, that one takes a minute. Don't like these cerebral. No, nah, that last one was fine. I was dead. It takes I was a minute. Dead. It's not working All right. Sometimes. Mm, sometimes the ones that take a minute, they're worth, you know, it's worth the time, Kelly. It's worth the wait. Except one have to take a minute in six words. It's almost, it's good. So forget what I said before. It's great. All right. Thank you, Thank you for noticing that it was good. Well, Dingus, uh, tell the listeners, don't spoil anything, because maybe some of them haven't seen The Snowman. Tell them about the movie that we saw this week. Spoiler free. All right. Well, this week we saw The Snowman, mm-hmm. uh, British <laughs> crime horror thriller 2017 movie about even though it might take like two minutes to make a snowman, there's only like four of them in all of Oslo. It where, was, where is horror like a descriptor for this? What do you is, mean? Yeah, where, like where, 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 where does it think it's a horror movie? I'm curious. It's like or was a, that a dingus thing? It, no, no, it, it was a, a it was in one of the tags that I looked up because it's a it's you look purporting to be a serial movie? it's a serial killer movie. So it's a mm, horror movie. Horror. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm, horror, I guess. Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. I maybe have something relevant to say. All right. Oh, good. <laughs> anyway, there's only four snowmen in all of Oslo. It was directed by Tomas Alfredson and written by Peter Strahan. Hossein Amini, and Soren Sveistrup. It stars Michael Fassbender, Rebecca Ferguson, uh-huh. Charlotte Gainsbourg, uh-huh. Jonas Carlson, uh-huh. David Denchik, and what? Chloe Sevigny. Mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> I the Snowman that. is rated R for grisly images. <laughs> Violence, <laughs> some language, some language, sexuality, and brief nudity. If you just tell your kid, though, he's saying it in Norwegian, so go ahead and listen. But it's grisly images. There's grisly yeah, that's images. True. Can't sugarcoat the grizz. Kelly Wan, is anything left off of that list of uh, warnings to parents? I'd tell parents and shake them on their way in and scream at them. Some scenes of kids without tape on their mouths... <laughs> and Val Kilmer. So, the I, dis- I disagree with the last one. This is at nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. On Metacritic, the average rating from various reviews twenty four. Cinema score: the people who went to see the Snowman on Friday night and were then pulled by the Cinema Score folks. Honey, you'll be fine. They give yeah. it a D. Uh, uh, it opened at number eight and made three and a half million dollars. They Did liked you say it more it was than a, 
It was at 9%? Yes. 91% of the reviews of this are negative. Nine? Well, yeah. What is that surprising to you? <laughs> no, but it, I just I don't know if I they're ever heard rare. A uh, number Lawrence. before. Well, interestingly enough, my over is at thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so I've mathematically narrowed this down. I'm I'm working with with some serious data here, but we'll get to that in a bit because right now, Kelly Wand, parts it. of the movie are a little bit confusing. I'm wondering if maybe if you just gave us a synopsis of the events of the movie, it might help me understand the plot a little bit better. Uh, what would you would call a, so. a, a synopsis of the snowman? The snowmopsis? The snowmopsis. I want to hear that, Kaliwan. Make All my right. day. Yeah. I hope this does help you understand it. I do, too. Because that, that, I like when you explain that that's why I write these, so that you can you specifically can understand the snowman. The snowmopsis. A mean man sits at a table with a mom and a kid. The man's all, Vichia did Norway adopt its constitutional amendment to give glaciers a vote. The kid's all, uh. <laughs> Which one's Norway? The dad punches the mom in the face, although it's off screen, so it doesn't hurt. The kid's all, was I right? The man's all, describe Norway in a sentence. Uh, uh, well, first off, it, what is it, Norway? Wait, okay. It's uh, Norway is this Eddie Murphy movie where he plays his own girlfriend. I guess it fucked up his Dream Girls Oscar. The dad punches the mom to the floor. The mom's all, please ask him questions about Transformers movies. I have a cheekache. <laughs> the kid's all, they're Transformers movies? The man's all, name three ways that the Daniel Craig character in Girl vs. Dragon Tattoo is different from the <laughs> Fastbender character in this movie. <laughs> the mom starts sobbing uncontrollably. Stop, you know he can't. No one can, please. <laughs> Keeps this up and I'll tell Zamfir here's that you're his. The kid's all, his what? The man loses interest and drives off. <laughs> the mom gets bored by the kit also and drives off too onto some ice. There she likes where she is and so she parks. The ice cracks and starts swallowing her car. <laughs> The kid stares at her through the window and goes, Mom, is that seatbelt your choice for the three by three? Hey, what do you think of the snowman so far? She stares at him glumly as she sinks, just staring at him miserably like we're about to. So snowmen, shaped vaguely like letters, are all the snowmopsis. That was the Bond movie opening, Tom. <laughs> Very exciting. I mean, Paul. Daniel Craig, I mean, Fassbender, drinks too much and to celebrate goes to a construction site. Suddenly he hears nothing, so he draws his gun. Someone farts explosively, making a canister fly out at him. He empties his gun, screaming. His Australian friend walks up and takes a gas mask off. He has tattoos on his eyes that are also like a gas mask. He's all, don't worry, we're putting in some Venetian tile. 
Daniel Craig shakes his head, then puts a cigarette in his mouth, droops it miserably from his lips, and doesn't light it. He's all. My character's name in this is Harry Hull. <laughs> Beside me, Jack Reacher stands up and goes, ha ha! <laughs> See, someone liked the movie. Jack Reacher. <laughs> He's top of the heap. Stupid Norwegians. The gas masks, friends, all. Oh, yeah, by the way, a dancing man in a black hazmat suit with a mask on told me to give this to you. He hands him an envelope. On the front, printed in block letters are the words, for holy hair, I mean fast, but then they ran out of envelope. Fassbender <laughs> opens it. Inside's a boring-looking card that says, Hello, Mr. Policeman. Baby want poo-poo. By the time you read this, I will have already made. And there's a picture of a snowman head and a torso with one arm and a thumb and one testicle. I lean over to Mooney Rara with a shaved head sitting beside me and go, I think the killer in this uh, and or screenwriter has got snowman mixed up with hangman. Huh. Meanwhile, a chick walks home from work when a snowball hits her in the back. Giggling, she turns around and goes, What the? Is this a meat cute? <laughs> Jaden. <laughs> she turns around, sees no one, keeps smiling at that, and then hears some spooky music. She smiles affectionately at the music and the strangeness of her life and gets into her car and drives off. I droop a cigarette from my lip, lean over to the lotion and the basket sitting beside me, <laughs> and go. Yeah, I found that you can nail 30 women a night in the back with snowballs and then watch them all drive off if you're a quick ducker. But sometimes they just come over and hit me with their purse. <laughs> Me there in the movie. A red car follows the mom and watches her make a phone call. I lean over to the director and go, Hey, I thought of a cool way to make your movie shorter. Just show us the scene of the killer there writing the letter and a camera angle of his face in the car, and we'll know who he is. We could save lives. <laughs> he gibbers something at me in Norse, like Thor would at Captain America in real life. <laughs> That's what it would really feel like. The mom dies and gets cut into pieces and left under a grain silo. Fassbender finds it by walking right up to it and opening a door. But instead of a cigarette drooping from his mouth, he's got a flashlight drooping from it. <laughs> As he looks inside with a cigarette drooping from his mouth, Thal Kilmer screeches past in a sky tram. Kilmer's all, seriously, I'm in this? I'm Norwegian? What? So Fassbender's like the Downey Jr. <laughs> He rattles up out of sight. There's some close-ups of the sky car cable winch with snow on it. I look over at Dingus, but he's all, it's not ice, it's snow. <laughs> over Dingus's shoulder, Edward James almost wearing a hat and a trench coat, hands Tom a small paper origami Ridley Scott alien and goes, figure this one out, pipe dropper. <laughs> He's a troll, Tom. <laughs> C-Bone. 
you know. Back in the movie, Rebecca Ferguson walks up. Granted, it's Norway, and she's all bundled up, so we basically only get her face. But still, she's all, Mr. Hull, I'm your new partner. My drooping cigarette rises and starts to throb. Fast better turn so we can only see the cigarette from behind drooping from his lip. It starts peeing. When I wake up, he walks into a barn where Greta Gerwig's cutting chickens' heads off with an axe. <laughs> the chicken head looks at me like the mom in the sinking car looked at the kid earlier. I think to say, seriously, I died in this. Fast Gregor's all. Ma'am, I'm Inspector Hole. He sighs and waits for the audience's laughter to subside. <laughs> A couple rows ahead of me, the author of the books gets up and goes, James Bond's a weird name. What is he in the stock market? Ha! Huh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> His friends and mom finally get him to sit down. <laughs> the chicken Francis McDormand, fastbenders all. We had a missing persons report for you from your husband. She's all, him and his pranks. As you can see, my character's indestructible. The killer grabs her from behind, puts her in a chair, and uses his wire tightener to cut her head off. The watching chickens are all, ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Craig's all sorry to bother you, miss. Ian Ferguson nod to the killer and the headless body and drive off. As they drive along a road made out of snow, Ferguson's all You're not gonna try to sleep with me in this. Craig's all do you look like alcohol? She's all kinda. Their car phone rings. Chick's all Hey, uh, the author of the Snowman novels called to say Gerwig's missing for real this time. Like, the top part. Her head. Said he finally noticed when she was real quiet at dinner, and also she was suddenly a way better kisser. They sigh with irritation and turn around. When they get to the farmhouse, Craig has his secretary stretch out cellophane and gift wrap the lady's decapitated head. <laughs> so he can put it on his shelf next to all the other trophies of his unsolved cases. Then Fassbender gets bored, so he goes to see his ex-wife, her new husband, and someone's kid who looks like none of them. <laughs> the ex-wife's all, Hey, remember some X-Fives in Vin River and Logan Lucky? Did both of those movies have snow in them? No, I didn't think so. Different x Five. The son's all, Hey, Dad, look what I can do. He keeps staring at Fassbender. <laughs> the ex-wife's all I can't believe you gave our son an even worse name than yours first name ass <laughs> so, so brazen sitting <laughs> <laughs> nearby at his desk with a snowman on it her new husband's all can you people keep it down I'm trying to write my next letter to fast bend up The ex-wife saw. Oh, honey, can you open this jar for me? The lid's too tight. 
She holds out a jar of chutney. The husband scowls and raises his wire gun, wraps the wire around the jar, and squeezes the trigger. With a snick, the wire tightens and shatters the jar, splattering all of the brown sauce or whatever chutney is. Fast Bender adjusts his cigarette so it's drooping slightly more and goes, I should go. He goes to work and does nothing. Across from Rebecca Ferguson's all, well, six more subpar moms have gone missing and been cut up. You also have a stack of new mail there from the killer. Fastbender scowls, droops a glass of whiskey from his lip, and thumbs through the letters. Hello, Mr. Policeman. I have a present for you. I've been very naughty. Knock, knock. Who's that? It's a snowman. Very clever. Oh, thank God, a gas bill. Ferguson's <laughs> all. Why would the gas bill come to your work? Fastbender scowls at her and tries to look at the cigarette dangling from his lip, but it makes him look cross-eyed, like Amity. <laughs> Ferguson's all. Well, I don't do overtime. She gets up and walks out. For fun, Fastbender breaks into her desk while the other male cops sitting nearby watch and chuckle. <laughs> Weinstein's there, too. The cop in Norway. He goes through Ferguson's panties, her diary, her yellow dress from Mission Impossible, then sees some papers with writing on them and dates. Fastbender and his cigarette squint, trying to look as if they can read Scandinavian. Beside me, Gosling stands up and goes, No wooden horse! Boring! <laughs> <laughs> a lot of heckling going on hastily the director cuts to a guy at a podium going ladies and gentlemen you hated him as spider-man's boss you loved him as miles teller's grandmother here he is the official new red herring of norway jk rowling <laughs> rowling steps up to the podium and in a swedish chef voice goes Dirkus Bergen Durkin. Not my Oslo. <laughs> Everyone claps. Fastbender sighs. Meanwhile, Bell Kilmer gets bored at an office party, so he goes outside on the window ledge and laughs at everyone inside for being warm. <laughs> Back at work, Ferguson sighs at Fastbender and goes, Next time you rifle through me desk, could you at least put everything back inside afterwards? He wearies of her sass and wrestles her, then gets on top of her. <laughs> I couldn't remember the movie very well. <laughs> She's all, you smell like an ashtray. He's all, just like your father. She acknowledges that he's won the argument verbally, so he lets her up. She's all, I'm out of here, and I don't need you to solve this case. I don't need a man, and if the killer tries any shit with me, I'll just give him the finger. She goes to a dark cabin and gets murdered. The killer then uses a severed fingertip to access her laptop and delete all the scenes of him building snowmen. <laughs> Although the running time for the movie doesn't seem to shrink. Meanwhile, in a window room, Fastbender's ex-wife gets on top of him. So he has to readjust the angles of his cigarette and his whiskey glass. She's like mashing him. She's all... I thought maybe we could do this like old times and cosplays that scene of you from Haywire. His cigarette scowls at her till she gets up. Fastbender wanders around till he finds a car with Ferguson dead in it. Her finger's missing. <laughs> Fastbender's all, damn. Only nine more and the snowman's hands will be complete. He sighs and puts Ferguson's head in a bag for later. Then he goes home. <laughs> Where the murderer, who's gotten impatient at Fassbender's lack of progress and the running time of the movie, is waiting. Spoiler alert. In the novel, according to someone who read it in order to get me to read it and then hated it, 
There's a giant snowman in the living room that the killers somehow making the ex-wife sitting on top of. What? What? Yeah, this is the book. His wire gun is booby-trapped to cut off her head once the snowman under her melts, or if the front door is opened, which Harry Hole circumvents by driving through the wall, Terminator, Rough Night style. <laughs> That's in the novel, Dingus. In the movie version, this is what happens. Fassbender comes down some stairs to see his ex-wife's new husband standing behind a table with his guns wire around Mrs. Hole's throat. <laughs> He's sit down, Clegg. Fastbender sits. Someone's kid is sitting across from him. <laughs> to Fastbender, the snowman's all. I'm going to ask you some questions because it happened to me in the first scene. So now you're the kid, mom, dick, down. So yeah, and I have a gun. No, I'm not punches. Just buy a gun on her. Understand the wall. <laughs> Your head was in a bag in Prometheus. Think about that. True or false? The first alien burst out of John Hurt because it didn't like spaghetti. <laughs> Fassbender's all interlinked. The snowman starts. <laughs> <laughs> As the wire tightens, Fassbender's all, I, I, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, something else, something else. Reluctantly, the snowman gives the wire some slack. The wife's eyes glare at Fassbender as if to say, quit being a fucking idiot for once. <laughs> the snowman's all, true or false, I'm obsessed with snowman and letter writing because my mom drowned. Fassbender's all. I think someone saw the cattle gun in no country and thought, what would be an even stupider, more cumbersome? The snowman starts to tighten the wire again. The Fassbender's all, JK, JK, okay. The snowman loosens the wire. He's all, true or false? This child actor here playing your son thinks you look weird without a magneto hat on. <laughs> Fassbender's all. Why don't you ask him? Snowman. Hey, that's a pretty good idea, actually. Uh, hey, kid. Hey, uh, what did Fassbender want me to ask you? I forget. Fassbender tricks the snowman's wire gun by a bunch of confusing shots and cuts <laughs> to things happening off screen. <laughs> so in that sense, they improved on the novels. <laughs> snowman thing. A spinning newspaper headlines all. Fassbender declared drunkest cop in Oslo. Kilmer says indecipherable. Fargo bar. <laughs> Some words are on all. Ten minutes later, Fassbender sits in a circle of cops on wooden chairs like clogs. <laughs> and off-screen cops all. Okay, people. Uh, we only have one murder case today. It's not very interesting. Uh, there's no pay. And instead of Rebecca Ferguson, your partner in this one will be Harry Nels. However, there are no snowmen involved. Fassbender's all, I'll take it! The end. <laughs> that was so great. Oh, that was so great. Thank you so much, Kelly. I paint what I see. So, uh, yeah, the snowman. 
Kelly Wand, what did you think of this movie? Uh, what's something that's better than this movie and something that's not quite as good as this movie? About it. Are you insane? <laughs> you want me to keep saying things? Damn you, Tom. You can just give us an over-under and we can infer from that. All right, my over is the horror film Jack Frost. And my mm. under is the Michael Keaton Jack Frost. If that helps at all. So this isn't as good as the one where the snowman uh, sexually assaults the chick in the bathtub. Right. It's it's, less scary than that. Right. But it's better than the one. I actually have never seen the Michael Keaton one. Does he actually play like Jack Frost or something? He dies and reincarnates as a snowman. Oh, and does he like redeem himself to his children or something? Yeah. Yeah. He he helps the kid cheat at his uh, hockey game. Sounds terrible. Like, Dingus, you know you know the Michael Keaton snowman movie? I, I know the, the, the great dialogue exchange, which is you're the man, I'm the snowman. Yeah. Wow. That's in the trailer. And Kelly Preston's his wife, so huh, she's super right. hot in it, as usual. But she's in that. Like she's like Michael, he's not you're back again? What? Dingus, what's a movie that's slightly better than the snowman and a movie that's not quite as good <laughs> as the snowman? I can't really add anything. Oh, boy. Uh, slightly better, I would put the American version of Insomnia, because I feel like this movie was directed by somebody who saw that movie uh, and yeah. didn't quite understand or saw the original and better. saw this. Uh, yeah, it, I, I, I really love the original Insomnia. The American one is fine. I mean, I'm Stuff not a big fan of it. Um but uh, but so I, 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 this is kind of like uh, dumb serial killer movies. So under this, I would put uh, Copycat, uh, which is that Harry, uh, what's his name, uh, Harry Connick Jr. Movie. movie. Oh, oh, is Sigourney Weaver in that? Yeah, yeah. And so part of the reason I, you know, I had Sigourney Weaver in my head from Meyerowitz stories, um, but also it's really fun to know that the German title of the movie is copy kill uh which is just a fun thing so anyway i would put i would put copycat under this and then i would put the american version of insomnia over this i hated this i hated this so freaking much god i fucking hated this movie and and i really felt bad because i really wanted to like it but i i laughed out loud at at a, at a couple points during this movie i laughed out loud when he's on the ice <laughs> at the end and he screams con oh my god dingus that i so when i saw it it was a very sparsely populated <laughs> audience and they were super quiet and i i even asked a guy to stop checking his messages and afterwards felt bad because i was like oh dude i know you're probably so bored yeah. right now and the guy got up and went outside to check his messages and came back and even thought about going up to him and saying you know what sorry check your message go ahead yeah check it read yeah. a book whatever uh but and the audience was so disengaged like I was, but at that exact moment, Dingus, these previously very quiet couple behind me just barked out laughing at that, mm-hmm. come at me, and then bang, and he falls. And the, this girl behind me just started bursting out laughing, and then the other people in the audience bursted out laughing at her laughing, and we all bonded. It was a beautiful moment. Yep. See? You only get that in movies. It, bring it, it brought us close Only together. in a movie theater. Right. Thank you, Snowman. <laughs> So I'm sorry I cut you off, but I'm so that specific that specific moment, Dingus, got a laugh in my audience as well. Yeah, well, yeah. I got a laugh only from me. The 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 uh, old fat dude who moved really slowly uh, left before that. It's too boring to watch for laughs. That's the thing. Yeah, 
you get I agree with the couple, but they had to slog through a lot to get to Khan. But I just love I didn't know why he was yelling Khan. <laughs> he yelled come <laughs> on. He didn't he yelled come on. <laughs> I thought he was yelling Khan. I didn't know. I couldn't remember at that point what the name so, of the snowman was. Because I wrote it down, he wrote, Come on, I'm ready, I'm here. Bang, and okay, then he falls really down. Did last summer. No, but when he was lying on the snow, he yelled Khan. I thought he, he was yelling Khan or something. It was just so weird. Oh, oh. All I could think of was Wrath of Khan. That's all I could think of. So anyway, yeah, I hated this thing. I freaking hated it. I think it's just – it's terribly done. It, and that moment that Kelly wanted – you know, that the the uh, um, the weapon that he uses reminds me more of that <laughs> that terrible thing in that – what's the movie Counselor? where – the counselor. That, that's what it reminds me. I love that movie, and I love that weapon in that. And it happens to it figures. It's I kind of like the movie, the weapon in it. Like, that's a pretty horrific weapon. Yeah. Uh, especially when you think, like, it reminded me of the, the problem is it was in a dumb movie, but in a decent movie, that weapon could be pretty chilling. And that it reminded is... me. It reminded me of the the finale in Audition, where uh, mm. the woman comes out with that garrote. It's not quite as fancy. It's not an automated gun thing, but it's the same thing. She uses wire to amputate his feet, uh, and and that's just a horrific sensation. This idea that something's going to go so tight around an extremity that it eventually just cuts through the bone. Um, but but it is that that thing that you talk about when you talk about the reef. It's that when he comes down the stairs. Just shoot the guy in the back of the head. I mean, right. he has to use his finger to make the gro- that thing work. It's it's like a power tool. And what he does is it's, it's, it's not that. like a revolver. He just shoot the guy in the head, and we're done. The movie's done. He can't even see you. He doesn't know when, when you're going to shoot him, and then you're going to distract him and wait. And for even that when he's when he sits down in front of him, put your gun down. No, I'm going to shoot you in the head. You've got a thing around my girlfriend's neck. Fuck you. Boom, but he doesn't done. know that yet. Who but. cares? He knows the guy is the bad guy. Just shoot him in the head. This is the this is the classic right, thing right. that Thomas said. Like the movie should be over now. Uh, so anyway, Tom, you you go on with your over unders. My I think over and under are are crappy movies that I saw this weekend. Uh, <laughs> one that I saw that is slightly better than this is Geostorm, starring Gerard Butler. As a scientist who's protecting uh, the world from weather disasters, oh, and his science, that. his science goes wrong, and weather disasters start mm. happening. That I don't, I don't want to spoil. You know, the this movie. I just want if you go to Geostorm expecting to see a Geostorm, which uh, someone partway through the movie explains, it's like a a synergy of all these natural disasters, and then a Geostorm happens, and the world is rendered. Uh, like it'll never be the same, he says. This movie, <laughs> Gerard Butler pulls the switch three seconds before the big clock hits the geostorm moment. Like we're we're about to have geostorm and there's crazy weather breaking out everywhere and there's tornadoes in Mumbai there's and a there's switch. a there's a tidal wave r- rushing up at the Burg, Burj Khalifa and there's like a an ice storm that's freezing people in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, there's a switch. And Gerard Butler has no answer for for that technology. Pardon? Climate has no answer to switches. Well, this this stuff is caused by. You see, Kelly Wan, let me explain to you. The president's secretary of state has hijacked this technology. He's planted a virus on it, and he's using it to to cause evil weather. He's played by Ed Harris, by the way. Ed Harris is the bad guy. So he's using this technology to cause evil weather to destroy the world. 
and then he figures, you know, the people who survive will be the the, the good people. Like, it'll wipe out all of the U.S.'s enemies. Also, it'll wipe out a lot of the U.S. He's okay with that, though. He feels like it's a preemptive strike. He has a showdown. He explains his motives to President um, um, Andy Garcia, and they, they have a, a discussion about this, and Ed Harris explains his evil scheme. But Gerard Butler stops it three seconds before it reaches Geostorm Threshold. So we're fine. Oh, uh, everything uh, – all the, all the storms power down? Yeah, it's really funny. They power down real fast. Uh, you know, already, I mean, you know, millions of people have already been died, been killed, but let's not worry about that because we now have super joyous, like it's the shot in the control room of everyone like hugging each other and being really excited. And I feel bad for the actors because they were just in a room and they were all told, okay, now be really excited about something. And then Dean Devlin ran the camera and they, they didn't know what was going Pretend on. Pretend you're Kellen Lutz coming out of water. <laughs> right, exactly. There's really so poor, oh my God, there's this beautiful German actress named Alexandra Maria Lara. Uh, she's in a movie called Downfall. And anybody who's seen those clips of Bruno Ganz's Hitler rant in Downfall, because people put other subtitles on them, and it's an internet meme, it's really funny, but you will recognize this actress. She's this really beautiful, doe-eyed young lady who's sitting outside the room, who's really stricken by the fact that Hitler's upset, and there are shots to her, uh, and she's in uh, Geostorm, but bless her, her heart, I don't think she knows English very well, because she spends most of the movie like waiting for her cue. She doesn't react. When somebody talks to her, her face is just completely placid. She doesn't know what's being said. Uh, she has one expression, and two times in the movie she kind of smiles. But it is so awkward for this poor young lady to be in this movie. And she's like up with Gerard Butler, and he's being super like chummy, friendly, fun Gerard Butler. And she's just got this like straight face. She has no idea what he's saying or what's going on. Uh, I felt so awful for her. That uh, sounds kind of fun, though. In a weird way. Well, that's why it's better than the snowman. And here's ultimately why Geostorm isn't over. So Geostorm is just a dumb disaster movie. I was hoping there might be some cool like special effects stuff of cities getting wiped out, but it, there's not. It's just they did CG sequences, and they pasted them in really inelegantly. There's no sense of stakes. Uh, it's basically a uh, scientist racing the clock kind of movie, which is really dumb. But switch. It, to, to Literally, to throw a switch. Here's why it's better than The Snowman. As this podcast's sucker punch apologist, I love me some Abby Cornish. Abby Cornish, uh, she's a, an Australian actress. She's the, the serious one in Sucker Punch. Uh, she plays a badass Secret Service agent. And when, when things get rough, she is willing to kidnap the president from the Democratic National Convention so that she can get his uh, his key codes. She, uh, in a car chase, does a bootlegger's reverse, and then while driving backwards, shoots out the window and takes out the bad guys by headshots, you know, the cars that are chasing her, uh. and spins the car back around. Uh, and furthermore, she looks awesome in a suit with her hair up. Uh. So Abby Cornish, badass Secret Service agent, uh, makes Geo Sucker Storm. Punch things. It's it's very much Sucker Punch things, yeah. Uh, uh, Jim Sturgis and Gerard Butler are the two male leads. Uh, Jim Sturgis is uh, British, Gerard Butler is Scottish, Abby Cornish is Australian. Of those three actors, only one of them, one of them, manages not to say the word anything in an English accent, <laughs> and that's Abby Cornish. 
Jim Sturgis and Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler at one point, he even says, my crew didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, you just said that in a Scottish accent. Go back. Do it again. To me, it's interesting how often that word is in dialogue that you're paying attention to. They can't do it. They can't. Those British actors can be really good, but they don't give them that word. They'll screw it up every time. What about just the word thing, though? Well, it's the any. Like you put any before thing. Then they, they can say thing, but it's in it. Yeah, they, yeah they, it confuses them. Their mouths don't know how to work around that word, I think. Yeah. Well, before you give uh, your uh, – that was your over, right? Yeah, that's better than the snowman, Geostorm. Before you give your under – uh, along those lines, the one uh, emailer who wrote in this week, Chris Markinson, wants to know: was it was it me, or did everyone not have an accent except for J.K. Simmons? Right. Yeah. Well, I wonder well, about. I mean, nobody spoke Norwegian. Like, it really didn't seem to care much about creating a sense of place. And I thought they they were all like expats until uh, J.K. Simmons did that and went, "Oh wait, they're all Norwegian." Like I thought, well, Chris, British. Well, Chris, Chris's question is, why would they have him affect what I assume would be a Norwegian accent? He said that was really strange. Like, and so when when Tom was bringing that up, it just made me think of that. It's like I, I, I just I was really I didn't understand that at all. So it anyway. did make no sense, and I I wondered too. Yeah, like uh, what what? Yeah, I don't know. And Val so Kilmer, anyway. he's an expat or he's Norwegian. Oh, Val Kilmer's lips didn't match. I mean, the lips didn't match the. Is there something wrong with his with his voice? Like, why was he dubbed? Yeah, because he had because he can't do an accent. I mean, the, the, the dubbing wasn't even good. And Chris made this point too when when I first saw him in this as well. I was like, boy, these words aren't matching what his mouth is doing. What the hell is going on here? Kelly, one, did you say he had throat cancer? Yeah. Oh, he did. Yeah. Well, he obviously also has had a lot of Botox done. I mean, the poor guy just looked horrible. I felt bad for him. I don't even know why he's in this. What the fuck? He never meets up with Fassbender. And I, th- was, I thought he was a flashback for half the movie. Yeah, he's that's a flashback. A, he's, yeah. he's Rebecca Ferguson's dad. I mean, that's the thing. is This movie is so muddled. Why? I, I think there's supposed to be a cool reveal about Rebecca Ferguson at some point where she sneaks off to kill J.K. Simmons. And I'm not sure yeah. – what, if anything, that had to do with the serial killer. But I think we're supposed to think, whoa, she's like this avenging angel rookie partner cop. Like, I think she was supposed to be a cool character, and the movie didn't really convey that. Uh, And she she died from getting her finger cut off? (laughs) Well, we're assuming she died anyway. (laughs) I mean, but the guy knocks her out, and then... Oh, okay. Like, I I thought we were going to find out she was still alive, but I, yeah, I thought so too. I thought at the end she would show up. In fact, there was somebody like with a blonde wig on in that classroom where I thought, oh, that's her. But well, in the it, car when they find her, like when they find her, I thought she was just going to be drugged, missing a yeah. finger, because I think she's a she's a main fixture through the, this series of books. Oh, um, so I, I and I, I didn't know that scene in the movie. I just read that after the fact. But at that point, I was like, oh, well, he just cut her finger off and left her alive, and you know, he's going to maim her. And it's going to drive her even harder to want to get revenge or this whatever. This is the but. seventh book, by the way. What? So it's, well, the it's funny thing is, for, for a movie that was based on a seventh book, I got no sense for who this dude was yeah. or why we were supposed to care about him or what his, his abilities were. Or other than kind of being conflicted about his role in his girlfriend's son's life, I got no sense for who he was. There's a very minor moment where her character – Katrina says, "You're." It talks about him 
it talks about his legacy. Well, and, that, he's, yeah. and, and so there's that, that minor sense of he's like, oh, I didn't realize that you studied back that far. Because you know, she's talking about having studied this, his cases in school. And he's like, I didn't realize it went back that far. Yeah, that's so like one a of little those, bit of sense of that. But that's one of those dumb things like in the Da Vinci Chronicles where instead of showing us that – his name right. Robert Langdon is a, is a famed archaeologist or whatever the book says. Famed archaeologist Robert Langdon walked yeah. into the room. Like it, it don't tell. I mean, do something oh, just, to show us his legacy yeah. rather than just have Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson say cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure did did he solve anything or like I don't I don't even know what the plot was supposed to be. Like what? So the he's an idiot. If it's his if it's his ex his wife's new husband and he doesn't solve it till that long, he's a fucking terrible cop. Yeah, we've all solved it by then. Come on, dude. I didn't. I didn't care, but I had no idea it was yeah, going to be. It could no, not have no, cared no. less. So yeah, when when it's like, the, I mean, I knew at some point it was going to be one of the people we've seen, I guess. Uh, but it's someone who's part of his family, like someone who's that right. close, and it takes him that long. It's not like he's like, oh, don't fuck with Harry Hole. I think when he's on the train and there's that weird back and forth after the guy gets off the train, I think it's pretty clear. Anyway, Tom, what's your under? The other terrible movie I saw this weekend, which I think is worse than The Snowman, because oh, it's a sequel to a movie that I like, but unfortunately it doesn't have any new tricks. It does the same thing the first movie did, uh, and it's way too indulgent. I don't think it understands what made the first movie good, and that drives me crazy. This is a, the, the director and the, 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 the people who wrote this directed and acted in it, uh, just like they did in the first movie, or one of them. Uh, and in this sequel, I don't think they know what made their first movie good. They reiterate it. They bring in a new element that is completely wasted. Uh, here, here's why it's worse than The Snowman. It had a lot of potential that was wasted. Uh, there mm. were a lot of cool things they could have done, and they should have known better, the people who did this under. The Snowman, I'm not convinced – Anybody really knew or cared, or this just this thing uh, bounced around for a while. Thomas Alfredson has basically said, "Look, I didn't have much time. I did what they I could. Move. They rushed oh, it. Really? It went through a couple of yeah. different editors, and it shows like the editing is so sloppy. But yeah. Creep Two, the sequel to Creep by uh, Mark Duplass oh. and and Patrick Bryce, those guys know what they're doing. They should know better than how terrible Creep Two is. I was mm. so disappointed in that. Ah, oh, man." Yeah. You already saw it? Yeah, so it starts I still I, I got a, Yeah, I got a press copy sent to me, but it's on Netflix I think 2 days from from now. Uh I'm gonna see And I was super disappointed. I mean, it you know, if you like watching Mark Duplass, which I do, sort of having fun, it's got that element and the new the new part of it, you know, cuz Creep was just Patrick Bryce himself, the director, uh, and Mark Spice. Duplass interacting with each other. And it was like it was weird and you didn't know what was going on. So coming into Creep 2, they expect yeah, you're going to know what's going on. Mark Duplass is a it's a weird killer. And his his uh, sort of cohort in this movie is a young lady named Desiree Akhavan. She's a, a Persian actress. Uh, and the cool thing is she is really game for anything in this movie. She's super brave, but they don't give her anything to do. And I will spoil for you guys the one cool moment that it's early on in Creep 2, and I'm thinking, okay, this movie's going to be really good, but nothing that follows is as awkward or fun or interesting as this moment. So Mark Duplass, he's a serial killer, and he puts out ads saying, hey, come video me. Uh, I'll pay you $1,000. And then he murders the person who comes out to video him. Uh, 
uh, Desiree Akavan plays a young lady who's doing a YouTube series about just meeting random people. So she answers his ad, and she texts him, and he's a little weird. He says, do you scare easily? And she doesn't know how to respond to that. And so she eventually agrees, yeah, I'll come meet you, and we'll, we'll talk about doing this job. And she comes and she meets him, and rather than tricking her, he right off the bat says, okay, here's the deal. I'm a serial killer, but I promise I'm not going to kill you if you make a documentary with me. Uh, and <laughs> she doesn't know whether to believe him. And we, the audience, also don't know whether to believe him. Is he tricking her? So she does a couple of things that, that disarms him with her sincerity and her willingness to go along with what he's doing. So he says, okay, hold on a minute. And he runs out of the room and he goes upstairs. And she's sitting there down in the bottom floor of his house with her camera running, saying, I don't know, should I leave? And then he comes bounding back down the stairs in a towel. And he says, you know, between people – Barriers can drop, and people can become very close. But between men and women, there is always one barrier, and that barrier is, what do you look like naked? So I'm going to drop that barrier right now. And Mark Duplass whips the towel off and stands there full frontal, dong-swinging nudity for like an awkward minute. And it's very much Patrick Bryce playing with that, that same awkwardness in, in the overnight. Yeah. Uh, and he's like standing there. With his dong swinging, naked, naked as a jaybird, and he's like, uh, "Okay, are, are are we good?" <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, we're good. Here, here, hold the camera." And he gives her the camera, and she spin. Uh, she gives him the camera, and he spins it around on her, and she stands up there, and she takes her clothes off. But oh he, and we later because he, uh, we. we I, I don't know if this was established in the first movie, but he's not uh, – he's kind of asexual. He's just a murderer. He doesn't care about sexuality. He's zoom- – and not because the actress is, is wanting to avoid nudity because we do see glimpses of her being naked, but he zooms in on her face for that shot. Uh, and he holds it on her face while she's standing there naked trying to say, okay, is the, is the, is the barrier dropped between us? And he doesn't film her body because he doesn't care about that, and it's a great little moment. But nothing that follows. The rest of it is just stupid shenanigans, and they end up fighting each other with an axe and a shovel, and someone dies at the end, and it's dumb. Um, so uh, uh, wasted talent, wasted potential, super disappointed that Creep 2 uh, didn't work out. So that's my under because I never – right off the bat, I knew Snowman was – I mean there's – I think you know very early on in Snowman that this is going to be a worthless mess. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a troubled production, though, until uh, until earlier tonight when I read Chris's email where he said that he had read that it was a troubled production. And in, in fact, he says his quote is, "It feels like a part of a movie to him." Yeah, well, that's like what the whole movie. Alfredson has said is that there was like fifteen yeah. percent of the script that they right. couldn't shoot. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's very clear when you see the number of weird scenes that don't make any sense. There's so many scenes in this that. There's weird cuts. There's weird edits. Like that moment where he throws the drugs out the window. When why don't you just stay at the concert with this kid who you're treating as your son? She says she's going to pick you up in two minutes. Apparently to run to the murder scene, but instead we're going to have this weird edit where you throw something out the window of your apartment, and then you're going to go the next morning. I don't understand most. There's so many scenes I don't get. But I didn't know it was a troubled production until I read that, until you confirmed it, Tom. Yeah, like he gave uh, – Thomas Albertson gave an interview with uh, the Norwegian Broadcasting Corporation, and it was translated into English. And he basically said, 
Uh, it was, you know, the, the moment that I was told, yes, this is a thing. We were super rushed. We didn't have much time to shoot. There was 15, 10, 15% of the script that we couldn't shoot. Uh, he ended up working with two editors. Like there was one cut of it and then he took it to, cause Scorsese produced this and was originally going to mm -hmm. direct it. And then he took it to Scorsese's editor oh. and she gave it a pass, uh, meaning a cut. She did a cut of it. And that's the one that was released. Like she edited someone else's edit of insufficient footage. Uh, so that kind of explains uh, a lot about what we right. ended up with. Yeah. You can't I, make I more love... cake with less ingredients. I know. <laughs> yeah, Kelly Wad, right. <laughs> I love that you brought up, brought up the Norwegian because there's a, one of the things that is a, at the very end of the credits. It, and this is just one of those weird wording things uh, that's about grants and funding, but the way it's, the way it's worded is thanks to the Norwegian incentive scheme. I just love that it's put, it's put as the Norwegian incentive scheme. That's awesome. Instead of like a program, a scheme. They probably don't understand yeah. that that sounds slightly insidious. Yeah, it really does. Because <laughs> it does feel like they're trying to get something over on us. They did. Well, they did. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It works. And, and it's a real shame, too, because there's a whole genre of Scandinavian crime fiction that's that's super hot clever yeah. stuff like the, yeah. the the killing i think started this off and actually books too of course but we've seen them in tv series and certainly those dragon tattoo movies kicked this off uh there's a really cool series this reminded me of and i haven't seen all of it uh called the bridge about a bridge between uh uh, uh denmark and in sweden and a murder takes place on the bridge and there's a crusty old danish cop Right. And a, a super hot, quirky, young um, uh, Swedish chick who he's partnered with. And I kind of was watching this thinking that's kind of what the bridge – and the bridge does it very well. The actress who plays the Swedish chick, she's really good because uh, like she's super hot, but she's also really convincing as this strange, quirky character. She's not like a model trying to act weird. Um so, it, you know, watching this, I was like, I, you know, with Michael Fassbender and Rebecca Ferguson, we could have had cool things if someone uh, had written them a script. I don't know what their relationship was. Man, I don't know either. It was so. It wasn't romantic. Which I kind of like that fact. Like when she they says, friends. Yeah, when she says you're not going to sleep with me, and he, it, like I, I kind of like this idea that they weren't. They sure. were going to make it clear that it wasn't going to be romantic, but, but then right. it gets all gibberished. Yeah, yeah, gibberished is exactly it. Um, and there's a scene – this, this right here is indicative of this movie. I think you can watch this one exchange in this movie, and, and this, is, this is the snowman in a nutshell. There's a point where he's looking at a murder photograph with some guy named Marcus or Matthias or what? Magnus. I think his name is Magnus. It's Magnus he's looking at the yeah. photograph, uh, and he says to, uh, to uh, Magnus, can I keep this? And Magnus says no. He says, can I keep this? And Magnus is like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, why is that scene in there? Why does he say no? What what causes that. Magnus to change his mind in that exchange? <laughs> Nobody knows. Why leave that they in there? Thought it would be clever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this was Magnus's character. They were telling us something about him. If we're supposed to see um, Michael Fassbender's magnetic uh, uh, charisma it? working on no Kelly Wand, uh, working on Magnus. Uh, but, storm. Gosh, I just didn't understand that. It's like the end of Excalibur where he throws the sword and he can't. Right, exactly. Like, why did you say yes and then no right, and just I'll throw it? Yeah, exactly. Why did you just add two lines for no good reason? Although you could have told me the first time a woman's going to catch it. 
<laughs> my favorite Magnus moment is when he says, Magnus, can you track her car? And it, it, at that moment, it became an episode of Criminal Minds. Yeah. I mean, this was just a TV show at this point. It was just uh, it was just a terrible TV and show. And no sense of place. I'm told, by the way, that local – that Norwegians hate the movie just as much, if not more. And they go, they fucked up the geography too. Nothing's near where it's supposed to be, and that couldn't happen. And they're like – they're like tearing the movie to shreds like even more than we are because they're going, it's fucking idiotic because the geography is all wrong. I guess. Well, there is, like, no, there is yeah. no sense of place because nobody speaks any language. There's nothing yeah. other than this idea that, hey, we want soccer championships here. Like Other than that, there's no sense of, right. of anything Norwegian or of Oslo. Every now and then someone drives <laughs> to Bergen. I'm like, okay, is that a there's big a deal? Is that, is that a suburb? Yeah, there's a farm where somebody's Sky beheading car. chickens. Like, yeah, this could be Wisconsin for Pete's sake. I had no sense of, of any place here, uh, which, by the way, that's that's – Part of the attraction of Scandinavian fiction is that strong sense of place. Right. Yes. Um, yes. So, yes. Yeah. And it's certainly like what what Thomas Alfredson did with uh, "Let the Right One In" and this idea of Cold War Sweden. Like that was amazing. That sense of place and the character actors there, uh, and just just the 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 old men like drinking and like that just had a great sense of place with the actors and the locations. Um, yeah. It's because the idea, I think, in I think of this, like, why we're drawn to it is maybe like the idea that murder is a lot easier to get away with if it's like a snowbound place. Well, that's like, like Wild River, like this, or Wind River, this idea yeah. that, you know, that, that long, dark winters Isolated. drive people crazy and they do right. horrible things. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And when he's riding on that weird snow crawler and they're looking for a body or oh, whatever, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, yeah. would, would you just watch the movie Wind River, you idiots? Just watch that movie. <laughs> right. Wind River. And you will understand how to look for a body in a snow, in a, on a snow plane. Because otherwise, I don't know what the hell they're doing. And they, and they totally miss the point of play. I mean, you know, Tommy said something about soccer, but what Chris Markinson says is, I guess you can't say the word Olympics in a movie anymore without paying the fee. So now it becomes the world, the Winter World Cup. Oh, like which I think, it's, it, I think that Olympics is, Substituted by Winter World Cup. You what? really can't say Olympics without having to pay. Uh, I don't like know. I, wow. I don't know if Chris. I don't know if Chris is right about that, but it makes sense. Yeah. Like, happy birthday of sports. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you guys talk about uh, sense of place, and I agree with you. But I don't even know why the why the name of the movie makes any sense. Yeah, that's the thing. I was gonna say his his signature thing should be the wire gun. Everyone should be going, oh, there comes the wire man again. Fuck, he cuts off a finger. Like the snowman thing, I go, yeah, I don't care about that. I was more worried about his crazy I was expecting like a lot more letters and a lot more clues and whatnot, maybe because I've seen like the billboards around. Um, But but there's none of that. There's like four snowmen. There's a terrible – oh my god, this is the worst thing ever – it's it's an Encyclopedia Brown moment with the coffee beans, but he doesn't even get to discover that. We're right. shown it. Okay, right. Yeah, exactly. We, the audience, it. figure it out, but he never figures like, oh, yeah. coffee beans. Okay. <laughs> okay. We, now we, we get it. Cops. But he doesn't get we can be We can be cops. Yeah, well, the audience is better at solving stuff than he is. Right. <laughs> Why is he even the snowman? Why? He should be the Iceman or well, whatever. Look, I don't know. Why is he the snowman? Yeah. Well, you can't be the Iceman ding is because Val Kilmer's in this, and it would be a cinematic oh. disjunction. Oh, well done, have. Tom. Very well done. 
But why is he the snowman? Why is that well, just? It book, just feels like this 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 terrible uh, this terrible serial killer construct like that. A high school kid vomited out. It doesn't. It's an he, idiotic. It doesn't one. do anything. Because he go anywhere. The sinister thing he's doing when you're not watching him is making a snowman and like dragging ice into a living room, <laughs> like and going, "God, get in here!" And then it melting and like, "Fuck!" Like he's not. Well, seriously, the whole idea of him sitting outside where he's going to murder someone—I don't know if he does it before or after—and then rolling the snow because you get, yeah. you get all wet and messy when you make a snowman, right. and then having it's to lift the head up to put on it—it's forever and it's, it's super heavy. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it just—it's absurd. And and I don't even like—are we to to infer? Did he stalk? Did he really throw a snowball at his mark and then stalk her home? Like, or was After that a red I, herring? That's the thing. That's no, no, thing. that was if him. If the camera was in the right place, you see a guy throwing a snowball at a woman and then hiding. <laughs> that's scary. Oh, look. And what I thought immediately was like, oh, he's driving a Volvo, just like his mom drove a Volvo. Uh, I get it. Uh, uh, see? Yeah, see, Dingus, you're better than Michael Fassbender in this. Right. Oh, Jesus. All right, so let's talk actors then. Uh, are, are we still in love with Rebecca Ferguson? Are we losing? Uh, sure. Okay. You know, I can't. Her. I can't. I really can't fault any actors in this. I can't right. fault. I can't I don't fault, even fault her. I mean, here. what do you want from him? He can't yeah. do it. Mirror, work a miracle here. I mean, it's so like even. Yeah, I don't think they give the, the scene where he's. I think we're. I think we're supposed to understand that he's really good with children based on his relationship with his girlfriend's son, and also how well, how skillfully he interrogates the donkey-headed little girl. Donkey-head girl. Oh, <laughs> like, that was Mar- like, Markison really that. liked that scene. Did you like that scene? That scene was weirdly creepy, and if it had been – if the movie had appreciated it and had been able to use it, I would have liked that scene. Uh, it, given some context, I would have liked that scene because that, that was like weird when he comes in going, hee-haw, hee-haw. That's like, ew, yeah. bro, yeah, dude. Your mom's, that's like a, your mom's dead, and this is happening. Now. Yeah, exactly, and she's sitting there <laughs> talking to him with the mask on. Like, yeah. like that could have been in a good movie. Uh, but that, that mask reminded me of something from Your Next, by the way. I just thought, right. oh. This is the your next mask we didn't see. Yeah, the uh, remake of Wicker Man, the um, Neil LeBute one, has a, people running around in those masks as well. Oh, really? Right. Yeah, it, it kind of. Uh, it, it yeah, kind of. I thought of eyes wide shut. Eyes wide. Did they have animal masks? Nah, I don't know. Okay. Maybe if they, Maybe they the did. Shining, uh, I don't know. The other Kubrick movie about boring sex. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like Michael Fassbender just fine but he felt like he was doing an imitation of somebody from the movie insomnia and how why do they not change that name like how harry. is that what really harry hall, harry yeah. hall. that can't be right like it, it's that's someone trolling <laughs> hole would be bad enough hole would be bad enough i like, know exactly like change his first name to like harrison or something yeah <laughs> when i first heard it because because uh, it's it's in the in that opening moment where he sh- where he shoots at the guy in the apartment and there's no repercussions for oh that. my god i know <laughs> like harry hall rl i'm like did he just say that did he say harry hall and then and then, and the- then the later the later dance scene and the guy sees the dude walking down the street and that never pays off yeah. I, I don't i don't know too with that so that wasn't harry hall's dog that was the the drywall remover guy's dog yeah i guess so <laughs> okay so i was thinking like harry hole uh, yeah i didn't know Listen who's how boring it sounds if you haven't watched the movie and you hear what tom just said <laughs> yeah it's the drywall removal guy's dog 
that subplot is all by Ben Foster. How do you not pay that off? The drywall removal guy sees the killer walking down the street in his clothes. It's like, hey, buddy, that's my hazmat suit. Come back. Let me run upstairs and tell the guy who just fired you that's not me, that that's not me, that's some other dude. Kelly Wan, could you you say something inappropriate about Rebecca Ferguson so we don't have to talk about the snowman? Um, That's not the part of her I would have cut off first. I don't even know what that was. First ever. Oh, my gosh, Kelly Wan. Kelly, one, can you say something about Michael Fassbender? <laughs> you can't have made a whole snowman out of his peeing part. Uh, I rewatched Life, by the way, and oh, I'm, what? why? Well, I kind of liked Life. I liked the creature what? in it. I, well, we did a podcast over it. You guys know yeah, this about me. There's no surprises like, oh, wait, that part's coming up. I like the cast in it. I really like. I, I like. Uh, yeah, I like the cast in it. And I, I really wanted I don't to think see. You got to do the podcast with us, unfortunately. Yeah, he did. Cause no, I no, I, I definitely did like. Yeah, I definitely oh, you did. did. Yeah, uh, and and also I just like Rebecca Ferguson. And one of the things I remember too about uh, life is that <laughs> hor- that horrific ending, which I don't want to spoil yeah. in case people haven't seen it. Uh, but I was disappointed rewatching the ending. It's I don't think. Well, it's a little random, but it's still a horrific ending. And I just I like Rebecca Ferguson in that. I wanted to see. She's not oh, that right. much. She, yeah, she is. She's the she's one Compared of the. To this, I guess. Well, spoiler, but she's one of the main people who, like, lives to the end. But it's an ensemble cast. Right, right. It's an ensemble. Well, like Alien. Like, if you like the actors in Alien, it's about a spaceship crew fighting a monster, and they start dying off. Uh, Life was one of the ones we had to do without you. No, because I remember talking about the little tentacle monster, Calvin, being pretty cool, and... Uh, oh, okay. What happened with Ryan Reynolds? This is review of what you said during the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you were talking about creep, I, I what I could think of was: Have either of you seen Blue Jay yet? You yeah. Jerks? No, I but like I it. saw Mockingbird. I don't. So, I know, not Blue Jay. I saw the wrong bird movie, Dingus. All right. It's Mockingbird. Mockingbird is a movie I started watching thinking that, oh, yeah, this is that movie that Dingus wanted me to watch. And it's a really dumb found footage horror movie. And I got partway through it when I was like, this couldn't be something Dingus wanted me to watch because I thought it had Mark Duplass in it. So I went online and looked it up and realized, oh, I'm watching Mockingbird. Dingus wanted me to watch Blue Jay. So I watched the wrong movie. Right. (laughs) Mockingbird, don't don't watch it. Bad found footage uh, horror movie. Uh, You're just all right. going through bird titles until yeah, you get, get there to eventually. what Jinkus recommended. Pigeon. <laughs> all right, Tippy Hedren. Birdman. Jinkus, uh, should you say something about Blue Jay that uh, that like, like why you thought of it without like is I don't want to cut you off saying so something. What I thought about was you were talking about creep and and Mark Duplass just like being naked, you know, just and 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 this is going to sound utterly highbrow but i think it's better when he's emotionally naked and i think that that's what's going on in my uh, it's, and it's, it's in the same to say to a lover but it's in the same it's the, in the same like big bear kind of setting right because because right. creep the first creep I, I haven't seen the one that you you watched no they love too. going to big bear to shoot yeah, yeah you clearly and, tell where they are and it's clearly the that they're up there and i really i really have a 
great affinity for that movie. I love what they're doing in that movie. Well, you should see Creep 2 anyway, just because it is, you know, it's a lot of Mark Duplass. And even if I don't like what the movie was doing, he's super watchable and it's fun watching him trying to do these monologues. I like his character in the film. Yeah, yeah. And it's more of that. And his story. And he's doing, they're doing some improvisational stuff that's not entirely successful, but it's interesting. Yep. Uh, Not enough, though. Like, I feel like they also don't appreciate how cool the Peach Fuzz thing was. Um, but yeah, the Peach Fuzz appearance is in there, man. Creep yeah. so. Tunes, by the way, is the seventh novel. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I got that, Kelly Wan. It took me a moment. <laughs> Kelly Wan, what is this? Oh, no, Dingus, what is this week's 3x3? Three three? Oh, really? uh, this week's 3x3 three three is your best seatbelts or uses uh. of seatbelts in movies. All what right, I'm introducing next week's topic, so I get to. No, I go last. Yeah, I go first. <laughs> My third favorite seatbelt in a movie. That's not how you sound. I, I know. I want to make so that clear. So like a very serious sage. Is in the James Wan movie, Death Sentence, starring <sighs> starring Kevin Bacon as Charles Bronson. Uh, his his family gets murdered, which is really uncool. So he goes on a revenge spree, and I didn't realize this when I first saw it. It's only when I rewatched it this week that I realized this. He goes on a revenge spree against a gang of badass dudes led by Garrett Hedlund uh, with his head shaved to make him look tough, which he doesn't anyway. Ha ha. The guy said Big Door and Tron. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Uh, so Garrett Hedlund is the heavy in Death Sentence. Death Sentence is really stupid. It's James Wan. Uh, who he's did, the head V. He's the what? He, he's the head V. Instead of heavy. Garrett Hedlund. Oh, Hedlund, right, because of his name. Kelly Wan, that was a little too sophisticated for me. Um, so at any rate, Kevin Bacon has to variously fight the, the gangsters in this crew who murdered his family. And he's not a fight. He's an everyman, right? He's not really the Charles Bronson type. He doesn't just – he becomes that at the end, and he shaves his head and does all this crazy Travis Pickle stuff. But before he becomes that badass dude, there's a cool chase scene where they chase him onto the top of a parking garage, and one of the Garrett Headland henchmen is looking around the cars, the parked cars for Kevin Bacon, and he's got a gun. So Kevin Bacon has to hide from the guy because Kevin Bacon doesn't have a gun, uh, and – Kevin Bacon he sneaks up on him and ambushes him, and they tussle around, and they're fighting, and I think someone gets a – oh, the gun is used for punching instead of shooting, and it breaks a window in a car, and the car door opens, and they're tussling inside of the car, and they're in the, the front seat of the car tussling, and somebody's foot kicks the car out of park, so it starts slowly rolling backwards down the length of this – the roof of this parking uh, structure. And uh, Kevin Bacon sees in the rearview mirror that they're rolling towards the little guardrail and that the car is going to fall off. It's like seven stories up. So Kevin Bacon, while tussling with the Garrett Headland henchman, wraps the seatbelt around the guy's neck uh. just to tangle him up long enough. And uh. This whole time they've been tussling, James Wan must have been really proud of himself for this. There are all these shots through the, the windshield of them kicking the windshield, like when the guy gets garroted in The Godfather. You know, that's a famous shot. So the windshield has been all kicked and cracked and everything, and Kevin Bacon has to kick it out, and he has to dive out of the windshield as the car is falling over the edge of the parking structure, dragging the guy down with it who's tangled up in the seatbelt. And that's Kevin Bacon's 
second kill in that movie. Huh. Is that is his dive out in slow motion like Fast and Furious style, like slow motion? That's a very good question, Dingus. I remember it in slow motion. I don't know okay. if it's actually shot in slow motion. Yeah, I do think they do a thing though. Like that thing where I, I uh, where when you have an explosion and you 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 show it from an angle and you back up and show it from another angle and back up and show. It. <laughs> I think they show Kevin Bacon's dive a couple of times. Like All like right. they're super proud of that. I believe. Uh, so that's my third favorite seatbelt. Uh, it's used as a weapon to kill uh, one of Garrett Hedlund's henchmen. Do, Kelly uh, mm-hmm. do I need to see that movie? Death Sentence? Um, yeah. No, no, right. absolutely not. Yeah. Do I need to see it before next week? Why? What? No, never mind. So James Wan just did the first Saw. Maybe he did the first. Like he's been producing them. I don't think he's been doing them for a while. All right. Yeah. But no, this was his. uh, I think it's. Is it his only non-horror movie? I'm not sure about. You know, I. This is gonna be very racist of me. I confuse James Wan. No, no, James Wan and Justin Lin. Because they're both what? young, young Asian directors who uh, have been very successful. Like I know Justin Lin did. Did James Wan ever do a Fast and Furious? No. Okay. Never mind. In that Dude, case, you can't. If one's really good and one's really dumb. James Wan is good. What are you talking about? James Wan's good. good the first saw is really. I, I like the first saw a lot. Uh, Carrie Elways is awful in it, but I, I like as a puzzle movie. The first saw is good. James Wan, uh, The Conjuring. Uh, I think James Wan has good instincts. I hate that movie. No, he's terrible. You, he did The Conjuring? Ugh. Didn't he? If he did, this is more reason for it's me not, not to like it because that movie blows. No, we but liked just, The Conjuring. You just didn't. Yeah, of course he did it. James I Wan hated it. It's, no, you liked it. You loved it. What? Come on, Ron Livingston. Lynn, I Ron, Livingston all- Ron Livingston's the dad of all these little girls being terrorized by ghosts. Come on. He's so good in that. There's too many kids in it. <laughs> Nothing bad happens, and when and when what's her name? Eleanor. Talk about uh, Lily Taylor gets possessed, and yeah, tries- and her hair turns upside down. She has a bag over her head. <laughs> Why <laughs> do you hate family dramas? I, I like the tree in it. That one's boring because that one's too soft. And, like nobody dies, and the ghosts are idiots. Drink. <laughs> 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 the get off too easy. Like it's not as it's not very scary, and the ghosts are kind of pussies. Well, wait, what Justin Lin do you like? Because I don't like I don't think Justin, Justin Lin's very good. Yeah. Uh, all best Fast and the Furious movies are, are <laughs> Justin Lin, and um, that one, the one about Justin the Lin did like, Tokyo Drift, right? Just, Justin yeah. Lin was Tokyo Drift did. You he know what, all, Tom? I think you're right. He did five. I think James Wan did one of the Fast and Furious movies. He might have. <laughs> no. What? Justin no, Wan? I, I think, yeah, I think. Not Justin. Think First of all, you're confused with the name. It's James Wan, Kelly Wan, and Justin I think James Lin. Wan did yeah. six or seven. I think he, I think Tom's right. No. No. No, I think he's right. I don't know. You think dumb. But well, I don't, I I don't might... like I don't like the Fast and Furiouses until uh, he didn't do the Just, last one, did he? Justin Lin did three through seven and went, I can't do any more. Oh, no, I did three through six, I think. So who and did eight? Uh, I forget. Now, now Justin Lin got, and then Justin Lin did uh, Star Trek Beyond, which you liked. Oh, you know what? You're right, Kelly Wand. You're right. So who has more good movies? You see, I'm, Justin Lin by a mile. James Wan. Right. Justin Lin has one good movie. 
I don't remember who did eight, but I I, I thought for maybe sure. that was James. I Wan. think Tom's right. I think that James Wan did do one of them. Well, at any rate, James Wan did Death Sentence. Dingus, you do not need to see it. Uh, it's a terrible Kevin Bacon performance. He seems really invested in it, and he's awful. Uh, and Garrett Hedlund makes a terrible villain. Um, but it has a great use of a seatbelt. So Kelly Wand, I need from you your third favorite use of a seatbelt in a movie. All right, and James you better Wand not, Kelly Wand. James Wand did do Fast and Furious 7. I rest yeah, my case. I win. How did you do that? Looked it up. And Kelly Wand, if you steal the seatbelt that I'm thinking of, I know Dingus won't steal it. If you steal it, there's going to be trouble. The one that I have for my number two. There's some I feel like I couldn't remember. Okay. So it's probably one of those. What What's one that you do remember? All right, I remember this one. <laughs> In The Matrix Reloaded, I don't really like that movie, but I really, really liked in the car when Morpheus <laughs> is taking on these teleporting twins who use a, use knives as their weapon, which is kind of snowman-y a little bit, but they use their powers in really weird ways, and they turn to Cthulhu when they teleport. They go into another dimension. And so they have all those powers. So that's what he's up against. And so Morpheus's counter to those powers, teleporting twins with knives, is his seatbelt. <laughs> In Matrix Reloaded, he's in the front seat while Trinity's driving. Everyone ignores Trinity for some reason, and the twins take on Morpheus. They're sitting in the back seat, and he's doing this shit with his seatbelt. Like, they're trying to knife him, and he keeps, like, somehow holding off the knife by flicking the seatbelt at them and his shoulder strap. And it, hap- it goes on for two or three minutes while the Matrix music's pounding away. Like, <laughs> And Morpheus is doing it, and he has this hilarious fucking look on his face. Like, he's so deadpan about it, and I'm thinking, did he train for that when Trinity was driving him to get burgers or something? Like, how does he know? How did he train on the seatbelt? Like, he didn't te- teach Neo that. It, just, see, it reminded me of, like, in uh, Kill Bill 2, where the Chinese guy's like, I would if I need you to... You may you may get buried alive, so you should practice these two inch board hits constantly. <laughs> I thought someone told Morpheus you could be in a front seat and get teleporting <laughs> twins with knives, so you should really work on your seatbelt flickings. That's like, awesome. Uh, just master. I have but it no goes on memory of this. I have you no memory of this. And he like, and he, like he cuffs one of their wrists in it, and I really I'm just every time I watch it, I go. If this isn't CG, he had to actually do that. Like, you can't stunt double seatbelt shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really it's impressed. Bad. It's, I'm sure it's CG at that point. Come on. Even then, though, they went to the trouble to CG a seatbelt. Like, Is the seatbelt, like, not attached? Like, does he rip it loose? Or I'm not clear what he's doing. He can just make slack in it because he knows martial arts. Okay. <laughs> I think he's still got it on because, you know, it's Trinity driving, so you never know what's going to happen. But, like, uh, they he actually wins that fight with the seatbelt. Like, he's got right. the Buster Keaton expression and then they teleport back to the other car. They just get fed up and go, alright, fuck him in his seatbelt. Let's wow. do something else. Yeah, so he wins the fight with a seatbelt. So, Dingus, so far we've seen seatbelts used very effectively as, as offensive weapons. Yeah. What, do you have something like that for the hopper, or are you just going to use a boring old seatbelt protecting someone scene? I love that. I love the phrase. Every time I've watched it, as applied to Matrix Reloaded. Oh yeah, 
I think I've seen it four times. I feel dumb until that. that Why am I watching Matrix? Yep, this is from the guy who says, oh, The Conjuring isn't any good. I'm I'm never going to watch Binion. I'm going to watch Matrix Loaded again. It's whatever's available on my giant TV on Netflix in Germany, which is usually that and Gerald's Game exclusively. Mine is a uh, a personal attack. Um, and here's here's a quote from it. Hey, put your seatbelt on, okay? So this is from the movie Sideways, and um, this is when <laughs> <laughs> when Thomas encourages uh, Paul Giamatti to put on his seatbelt when he says, "Look, I want to drive now." When they've stopped for gas, and he's already broken his nose, uh, and he has to figure out a reason why his nose got broken, um, so that. His fiance that he's about to marry, because she is his fiance, uh, will be able to figure out why his nose got broken. So he doesn't have to explain that uh, Sandra O oh smashed him in the head with a motorcycle helmet. He's uh, he says, "I want to drive. Will you let me drive? Come on, let me drive. I just feel like driving." And so he's like, "All right, fine." Paul Giamatti's like, "Fine, you can drive my Saab." And so as they drive away from the gas station, um, Thomas Hayden Church says, uh, "Hey." Put your seatbelt on, okay? And Paul Giamatti's like, yeah, I was about to. What, what's up? He's like, I just want you to be safe. And then, of course, he steers the car into a tree. Um, <laughs> so he's he's trying to protect his friend, but he's also trying to get a, an injury, uh, a justification for an injury to himself. Uh, and, of course, he looks at the car and he says, this doesn't look like anybody was injured in this crash. Uh, I've used this before when having the car drive through a fence, uh, but I just love that he tells Paul Giamatti, hey, put your seatbelt on. Uh, all right. Kelly one, here's, one. here's the one I thought you were going to steal. This mm. is a seatbelt demonstration on an airplane given by Larry Gay, renegade male flight <laughs> attendant, in which he attempts to seduce a beautiful young lady sitting in one of the seats, uh, and he's, they're making eyes at each other, and he uses the seatbelt demonstration to simulate uh, uh, the act of copulation, oh, and he even it. he even attains climax, and uh, and I the the woman who he's making eyes with is suitably impressed. But then the movie, because it's a comedy, cuts to some old lady messing with her seatbelt, doing one of these, you know, I'll have what she's having faces from mm-hmm. what. You don't remember that part? Yeah, you can no. put that out of your mind. The, the the chick that he's doing this with is super hot. I can see her face very clearly. Uh, I think she's someone yeah. famous too. Um, so you say he attains climax? Yeah, attains it. Well, he hidden in the simulation, in the same way that Meg Ryan does in When Harry Met Sally, your favorite movie, Dingus. Okay. Because he's so doing, he, he's like, yeah, you put the buckle in so slow, and then you take it out a little uh, bit, and then you put it in, or just the tip, you just put the tip uh, in, and then you take it out, and then you tease it. Like he's doing this in front of the whole plane full of people, because he's Larry Gay, a renegade male flight attendant. And, and he when Weinstein do does it, it's not as cute. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Why you got to take something fun and make it gross? Please, Kelly. <laughs> Talking about seatbelt porn and old women. Not your sick thing. Kelly, well, I have a theory. Mm-hmm. Everybody who doesn't like MacGruber also doesn't like Larry Gay, renegade male flight attendant. Conversely, Dingus. everybody who appreciates MacGruber would appreciate Larry Gay, renegade male flight attendant. Are you with me on that? Sure. Yeah. So, Dingus, I think we've, we've diagnosed what your issue is with those two movies. You don't yeah, like the a, other one. 
It's a great use of conversely. Yep. Although, yeah, okay. Yeah. Remember Val Kilmer and MacGruber? I to the do. Snowman? Yes, that was so yeah. sad that yeah, instead he goes and does Snowman. Yeah. Why was he even in that? And there was a there was a woman leaving the theater with her husband saying, "Why was he in that? I don't understand why he was in that." That was my mom and MacGruber. <laughs> All right, yeah. Kelly Wan, what is your second favorite seatbelt in a movie? This is my dumb one. Although my number one's also dumb. But in Die Hard 2, I like when Bruce Willis is like watching grenades fall around his face from outside from what's his fuck? William Sadler? Is that the guy? Yeah. yeah. The Nazis? The Scandinavians with snowmobiles? What's it? Uh, well, it's the only good part of the movie. So it's kind of like Matrix Reloaded. It's almost like the seatbelt saves the movie. And so it's like 50 seatbelts that he all has that he has to put on, and he's like kind of staring at it, like he doesn't know what they are. So I like that. It's so for the ejection seat scene. Yeah, for the ejection seat, yeah. he's putting on all the seatbelts, and it just keeps going. And he's just like, "This is pretty stupid," <laughs> or whatever he says. Ipikae. <laughs> all right. It's, it's cool that he has a victory phrase. But he doesn't have like a catchphrase for when he does dumb shit, which is actually way more often. Well, that's why he only gets to use it like once or twice in, in each movie. Yeah, but if Yippie Kaye, every time he says it, he does something awesome, like shoot a helicopter blade, phone cable thing or something. Does it? Shouldn't you just say that all the time? Because it works. It seems, it seems like it'd like. be a little optimistic. Oh, you you think that the actual saying Yippie Kaye MFR brings about the success? Yeah, it's like a spell he's cast. Oh, like he's only, but he's got, he could only cast it once a day, though. Then he forgets it. Yeah, and then you got to sleep to rememorize it, to, re, to rejuvenate it. Yeah. And rewrite it. Don't you like uh, just the facts, ma'am? Isn't that fun for you? Don't you like that And line? he does the thing with the ring. Yeah, with the ring. Um. I hope there's never another one of those movies. And I hope Justin Wan doesn't make the. <laughs> I remember really oh. loving the clips. The, the they're not clips. Tom has taught us this. They're magazines. I love the magazine switching thing in that. When they in switch, from, yeah. When they switch uh, in the snowmobile weirdness. When right. they switch from the blanks uh, to the real ones. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's great. Do you know what we're getting instead of a new Die Hard? We're getting an Eli Roth Death Wish remake with Bruce Willis. You know about that, don't you, Kelly Wand? Uh, isn't like, every movie just a Death Wish remake? What like, do you mean, Death Wish? Like the Charles Branson one, the, the Charles Branson one, and, yeah, the one that yeah, he gets it, he loses his family and he goes around shooting people. Pretty much. I mean, I assume it's and it being Eli Roth, I assume it's going to be like a gory kind of thing. Oh, uh, what is his name, Charles Bronson? Remember, you know, in is, the in the movie Bronson with Tom Hardy, his name is Charles Bronson, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. so. Remember when his son was calling him McLean in Die Hard Russia? <laughs> no, that's right. Get so out of here, McLean. In that? Wasn't he Jay somebody Courtney? we love? Jay Courtney, oh, yeah. Jay, yeah, we love him. Who's the, the, the oh, cool, yeah. uh, cool black dude in uh, Black in uh, Die Hard Two? Samuel Jackson. That's no. Like Carl, John Amos, uh, John Amos, or something. It's like that cool guy. I just I, I do love that clip or magazine switching thing. So I think there's more to like in Die Hard 2 than you like, 
Kelly Wand? Um, I only remember that the ejector seat and the uh, it's still R rated. Like there's a lot of bloody deaths. Like someone gets killed in a luggage machine or something. Great. Like a mangler. Yeah, he mangles somebody like Temple of Doom. Yeah, I don't remember that. I just, I remember William Sadler doing his weird naked tai chi, uh, and I remember the clip switching. Right. McLean, I hated when you had me. That's what he says. It's mm. my number two. Die harder. Yep. Sorry. Right. Die even harder. All right. Here's a quote from my number two. The word, the quote is, "Oh merda," um, and this is from the movie Ronin. Uh, there's two really great seatbelt moments in this movie, and it's during the same basic long-range car chase. And I just watched this again for another reason, another three by three that I was trying to prepare for, but I I couldn't quite get this to fit that three by three. Um, uh, this was the um, applause lines. I couldn't get this to really work for applause lines because I thought there was a great line in it, but it was just a great line. It's not an applause line. Uh, but there's a number of things that came out of watching Ronan again uh, that uh, gave me a couple other topic ideas. And this is one of the things that uh, made me reinforce this topic. This is not what uh, inspired this topic. I suspect we'll probably have uh, we'll, at least a couple of us might share the same uh, number one pick uh, for a seatbelt. Um, but uh, there's a, there's a couple of great moments, and they're not uh, fancy ones like you guys had for the first two, where like you know Kelly wants uh, this fancy like I'm I'm using a seatbelt for fighting, and and Tom's uh, Tom's death sentence one where you know, he uses a seatbelt as a weapon. Don't forget uh, the Larry Gay one where a seatbelt is used for sex. Don't forget well, that or, one. Yeah, uh, sexy seatbelts. Um, this is just uh, tough guys who at varying points during a car chase suddenly realize, okay, it's time for me to put my people on. <laughs> uh, my favorite one is uh, Stellan Skarsgård's um, Gregor uh, when he does it. When And I love, I, I absolutely love, I, and I know, I, I, I'm almost positive that we've talked about Ronan before, and I don't think you really like Ronan very much, Tom. Am I wrong about that? No, I don't. It's a, it's a typical Frankenheimer thriller, and I, I think the car chase is overrated. It's cool, but oh, overrated. Okay. But, but yeah, I, it's fine. I, I mean, it's not that I don't like it. Okay. It's not that you don't like it, but you think the car chases are overrated. I, I disagree with the fact that the car chases are overrated because I love the way – one of the things I love is, is how the main characters, especially uh, Robert De Niro and, and Tasha Macahon, um, but also the, the other dude – I can't remember his name uh, – they just seem so scared and um, nervous and surprised at every moment during the car chase. They're not stoic. They're not. Uh, they're not driving forward. They're they're trying to control these beasts that they're driving that have more power than they have. And I love that about this movie that that they are they are trying to control these beasts during this car chase. Uh, and I love the way that. Robert De Niro does that, and I love the way that she does that. And 
there's this moment where she crosses over lanes to go over this overpass and she finally goes up against traffic. And that's the moment finally where Gregor, uh, the Stellan Skarsgård character, uh, just reaches up. And finally, after this whole long protracted chase, he's just been sitting there like this, uh, this Hollywood version of a tough guy. I don't need a seatbelt. I'm just not going to have a seatbelt on where he finally reaches back over his shoulder and pulls his seatbelt down. It's a very calm thing, but I love it. I love that. I love that sense of, I understand that I have to do this. I understand that things have gotten dire and we're now going against traffic in a different way than we were in the tunnels. And, uh, Jean Renault riding next to uh, De Niro does that a few minutes earlier when they're riding through the tunnels, but you don't see it. You see, you see the, the moment where he, he goes, Oh merda. Um, or Oh merda. I don't know how French people say shit, but he's, he says, Oh merda. And he reaches back behind him. The edit cuts. And then the next time you see him, he's got a seatbelt on. <laughs> and I, I just love the fact that, for one thing, the drivers have their seatbelts on the whole time. And the seatbelts are colored in such a way that – or at least their costumes are colored in such a way that you see the contrast between them. And that the passengers being super tough guys or maybe for utilitarian purposes for if they have to stop and get out and shoot somebody, they won't have to click off the seatbelt. Um, I love that it, at different points during this car chase in Ronin, but specifically the one with Gregor, uh, where they where they decide, okay, I got to put this thing on now. I I love that. I just love the way that it works in Ronin. It makes me wonder in the older classic car chases like Bullet. Like I don't think I don't think Gene Hackman fiddles with a, a seatbelt ever in French Connection. But Bullet, I like I wouldn't be surprised if. Um, Steve, because I think Steve McQueen, like, like I think he wanted to, like he did his he did his own driving in that, and I think he wanted it to be like his character was a precision driver or something. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually put his seatbelt on. But it makes me wonder. Before seatbelts were a thing that everybody knows, you wear in a car. In right. in older movies, it makes me wonder, like, which heroes put on a seatbelt in a car chase, and which were too cool to do it. Uh, right, and I kind of was looking to with that. But also with some of those old movies, they would just have been lap belts. So what? What's? Oh, <laughs> wow! Yeah, that would be dumb. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Lap right. belts. Yeah. Uh, well, my number one uh, is uh, the, I mean, you see this in a few movies where the hero knows the car is going to wreck, so he or she puts on a seatbelt, and the people who don't have the seatbelt uh, come to a more grisly end. And my favorite example of that is recently in Atomic Blonde, where Shirley's Theron in the back seat. I don't even think she puts it on; she just like clutches it when yep. she knows the car is going to wreck. Uh, so that's my favorite uh, seatbelt in a movie is Shirley's Theron in the back seat of whatever that car is. Uh, that's a good one. Kelly Wand, what is your favorite? The best seatbelt scene in all of moviedom. I feel really dumb about this James Wand thing, by the way. I just want to say. <laughs> it's I okay, Kelly like Wand. Because I, I got them mixed up, too, is what the implication is. See, you're the racist. Right. But my number one seatbelt in a movie is kind of a lamer version of one of Dingus's, where in the last seduction... Linda Fiorentino is sitting in the driver's seat, and there's like a private investigator sitting beside her. And she's some. It's been set up that she knows there's no airbag on his side, 
So she puts her seatbelt on while he's talking and like drives on purpose into a tree and right. then he goes through the windshield. So I kind of like that. Yep. Seatbelt. But I guess it's more of an airbag scene. Airbags and seatbelts work in conjunction, Kelly Wand. There's a great airbag seatbelt conjunction in Final Destination 2. Maybe you should be saving that for runners up in case it's Dingus' number one. <laughs> I mean, all right. <laughs> Is that the stock car racing one? Oh, no, no, that's the car wreck one. Yeah, the freeway yeah. pileup one, the, a.k.a. the best one. Right. But there's also, yeah, but the airbag's a little later because it's uh, the girl sitting in the driver's seat and sh- she narrowly avoids like a sharp pipe that comes through the back of the seat. It's going to hit her head and she it misses her and she's all, <laughs> so she puts, uh, she's lighting a cigarette or something. And then it yeah. pops the bag out, and the airbag smashes her back into the pipe. Right, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, but there's no seatbelt really involved in that. Right, that doesn't count. So, but so I really love that. I hope you didn't pick that as your number one dingus. <laughs> but it's like an anti-smoking <laughs> ad. Like, I do wonder cigarettes. if Emma Thompson was wearing a seatbelt in Marowitz stories. I don't think she hit anything. I think she just drove off into the field, and Kelly Wand characterized it as no. Her she ran tree. into the tree. Yeah. Mm, I think she just drove in his field. Dingus has seen it twice. I'll take his word for it. (laughs) Dingus, did James Wan direct that movie? Uh, No, that was Justin Lin. (laughs) Uh, No, my number one is is uh, of of course also Atomic Blonde. Um, uh, The the quote I would have chosen would be, uh, "Well, he's very curious what you're doing here in Berlin," Um, because that sets her off. Uh, But what I originally thought, and I forgot this moment that you're talking about tom until i watched scenes from the movie this week was i i I first was thinking of the these scenes like underwater where you can't get somebody's seatbelt off so i was thinking of the eddie marson thing yeah but he's pinned under the like the the console he's yeah exactly um but what i love about this is that she clicks off the driver's seatbelt first so while they're driving she clicks off that seatbelt. She opens his seatbelt up, cranks the wheel over so that they're going to crash, and then she wraps her seatbelt around her arm to hold on. Oh, I thought Wait. you were talking about Eddie Marsden. Oh, oh, right. No, no, I'm talking about the that the scene that you're talking about. It's, it's the same scene. I just, I just love because I, I, I just kept. I was racking my brain to think of those moments where somebody's going to kill somebody by detaching their seatbelt in a in a wreck right um and this was that moment that i was thinking of but i forgot that there are two seatbelts in that moment where she leans forward undoes his seatbelt then wraps herself around the seatbelt in her seat uh i really love that i love i mean i'm crazy about atomic blonde but the way that whole that all works out with that whole major tom thing that's playing uh it's I just love that scene so much. Major Tom thing, isn't that the major? No, isn't that isn't it? it what what song is playing? Oh, it's it's not the David Bowie. It's that Earth to. It's, I know what you, I know what the song is. I don't know what it's called, but it's, it's not, not Major Tom. It's, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. other one. It's, right, it's I know what you're the talking other about. one. It's the right. German version. Yeah, I can hear um, it in my head, but I yeah. yeah and okay. then the thing about that too, Ding, is is normally, uh, like David Leach just has such a good. I for how to use Charlize Theron's physicality. Normally in a movie, she would just click the seatbelt onto herself 
and just be inert and protected and the car would wreck. But for her to kind of – like I can sort of see her physically – there's almost this like sexuality or intimacy to like wrapping yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like I think, she, I don't think she puts her leg around it, but it's that kind of thing. Like, it's like, man, she's super hot. I'd, I'd like her to wrap herself around me like that. Like, the way, I was the way, exactly. Right. And it's not, she just clicks it and sits there and waits for the car to wreck. Like it's this active clutching embrace, like of, of, of the seatbelt. Uh, it's like sort of sinewy kind of, she wraps herself around it. Um, it's I'll just take that over a crash gesture. test, dummy. See, Kelly Wand, exactly. Yeah. And then the next moment you see, uh, you see, oh God, what's his name? James McAvoy. James McAvoy pick up her, her spiked heel. I love how that movie plays on, on the fact that I find him annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, movie. (laughs) I love that guy. I don't know why. I know you do. See? I think he's entirely attractive. Because he's a, he's a lesser Ewan McGregor. Like he's a budget Ewan McGregor. He's he's uh, who you go to when you can't get you and McGregor. Uh, I think I'm yeah. with Dingus. He's, do you like I James like, McAvoy and you yeah. don't like The Conjuring? I hate The Conjuring. I love James. McAvoy. <laughs> well, McAvoy. you know, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Everything for me, it's pre-split and post-split. Uh, James McAvoy. Now I'm totally on board with him. You but liked before... him in uh, First Class when he was hanging out with Fassbender. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. I thought those were silly. When, those were when, silly. when Magneto shares a memory with him. <laughs> well, that, that was cute. Goes, okay. That's a very beautiful memory, Charles. And you were like, that was very poignant. Genghis was the one who was super into that. I was into that maybe on about a 7 on a scale of 1 to 10. I also like Atonement. And I like in Wanted where he just gets his ass kicked. Oh, you know I what? I, okay, I'm, I'm okay with him getting his ass kicked in a movie. Yeah, It's every right. scene. What do the listeners have for their favorite seatbelts? All right, so Arthur Jim and Jelly says, number three, Men in Black. When Will Smith Furts, Furts? When Will Smith first gets into, yeah, I said Furts, gets into the MIB car, Tommy Lee Jones tells him to fasten his seatbelt. Smith never does this and gets thrown around inside the car for the duration of the trip. Boy, I do not remember a thing from that yeah. guy. Other than he's listening to Elvis. Vincent D'Onofrio. What'd you say? Oh, yeah. He's listening to Elvis at the time, oh. isn't he? Uh, Arthur's number two. Oh, man, this is uh, this is one of my runners-up, but is a total dick move. Um, number two, Jurassic Park. <laughs> when Sam Neill gets into the helicopter, he notices that his seat has two female-ended seatbelts, which he ties together... <laughs> To secure himself. A bit of foreshadowing, which seems heavy-handed on repeat viewings, but wasn't too obvious the first time. The thing is, it's not when Sam Neill gets in. It's when they're, when they're, when the helicopter is descending on the island to the, to the, to the helicopter landing pad. This is me talking, not Arthur. Um, and it's this terrible turbulence that's going on. Um, He's sitting next to Laura Dern, who is his significant other, and uh, they can't figure out what the seatbelts are doing. So he just grabs the two seatbelts that he has, and he ties a knot in them, and he just looks at her like, hey, I have a seatbelt. And she's like, oh, that's nice. I don't. Uh, it's such a dick move. I, I, I freaking hate that so much. Uh, but I, I did think of it. At first, because at first, you know, when I saw the movie, I was like, oh, that's really clever. That's cute. 
But when you watch it in a repeated viewings, you realize what that guy is doing is denying his significant other protection. He's taking both seatbelts and just tying a knot around himself and saying, yeah, I'm going to be fine. Too bad for you. Mm-hmm. Unconscionable. Uh, uh, the seatbelt saved uh, Brad Pitt in World War Z on the plane when he wakes up on the, on the airplane chair at the end. And he's like, oh, right. cool. Seatbelt. That, well, yeah. Oh, the plane wreck. <laughs> yeah, the plane wreck. He has his seatbelt on later, and there's a zombie sitting next to him who also survived, thankfully. Right. Uh, Arthur Giovanni's number one is Payback. Uh, when Men Gibson and Greg Henry are planning <laughs> a robbery, Gibson notices that the two Marks don't wear their seatbelts. The next day, Gibson and Henry put on oh, their right, seatbelts right. and drive a car into their target's car, allowing them to easily rob them. Yeah. Uh, yeah kind of gruesome. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That's in character. Yeah. Uh, Next, we have Nick D. Uh, Number three, shoot him up. Clive Owen is driving head on at a black van full of bad guys, and he knows he's. Oh my god! Oh god! Oh Nick D. So dumb. (laughs) I mean, but I guess that's the point of shoot him up. Go ahead. Sorry. Too dumb to shoot him up. Use a carrot. Use a carrot for shoot him up. How dare you? He, he killed someone well, with a carrot. Yeah. I haven't seen that so, before. So he shoots out his windshield, <laughs> shoots out their windshield, and unbuckles his sip seat belt. Wait, no. What are you doing, Clive? Except when he collides with the van head on, he flies through the windshields and lands <laughs> safely in the back of the van, getting the drop on the mad guys. Yeah. So that is dumb. <laughs> but I like it. I yeah. kind of love that. Actually. It's like something from uh, Hardcore Henry that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick D's number two choice, L.A. Story. In the opening scene, Harris K. Telemacher. I love that you did the character name, Nick. You make me happy. Uh, Harris K. Telemacher avoids L.A. traffic by driving across sidewalks and people's lawns. There's a brief moment where we see him casually putting on his seatbelt with two hands, not even looking where he's driving, he does this every day. And Nick, I can totally see that in my head now that you describe it. Hmm. Uh, Nick D's number one, Jurassic Park. You guys, uh, <sighs> Jurassic Park. On the helicopter ride into the park, Dr. Grant can't figure out how to put on his seatbelt. So instead, he takes the two ends and ties them into a knot around his waist. Waist. And looks smug about it. This is pretty much how Grant reacts to everything the movie throws at him. Jurassic Park spared no expense. Cheers, Nick. Dr. Grant. Uh, and finally, we have Chris Markinson. Uh Here are a few seatbelts that I remember. Number three, Payback. Uh-huh. Porter notices that the Chinese gangsters don't wear their seatbelts when they are picking up their money. When Porter and Val make the hit, they are wearing seatbelts strapped over each shoulder. Porter seatbelt doesn't stop him from knocking his head against the steering wheel as you see a cut over his left eye when he gets out of his car. Can't believe we missed that one, Kelly Wand. Yeah, I love What's that. Ca- movie. What kind of cars are they driving? Do you know? It's, it's like nice. muscle cars. They're cool looking muscle car y things, right? Yeah, it's shoulder belts? Wow. Well, it's not a period piece, is it? Yeah. No. Not really. Right. It's kind of like a indeterminate time, but they yeah. have. Yeah. It right. exists out of time. Yeah. 
when film when the city's blue, depending <laughs> on which version you see. Right. When one Mel Gibson's a replicant, and then the other blue. I thought it was like silver gray. I thought that's Hal Helgeland. Helgeland. Helgeland is that his name? Brian Helgeland. Brian Helgeland, the rich I man's headland. He filmed it in this weird sort of like silver. Silver. Like I think that's post-processing, and I think it's called oh. silvering. Yeah, I think it is called silvering, but I believe it's post-processing thing. But then for payback straight up, they supersaturated it. Right, like it's yeah. only in one of the cuts, and it's, oh, I, I right. think the, the one that Helgeland like approves of. Right? Yeah, I like yeah. the Helgeland one. But yeah, yeah, I think everyone does, yeah. It just looks so grimy. Yeah, I really like the silver thing, though. Maybe It's, it's perfect for the material. It's, it was a good choice right. for Parker, Porter, whatever his fucking name is. Doesn't Seven use that as well, Dingus? No, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, so Chris is number two, is Fight Club. There are three seatbelts in the scene where the narrator, Tyler, and the space monkeys go for a drive. The first seatbelt to be used is by the space monkey in the back seat on the driver's side after the near miss with an oncoming car. Tyler and the space monkey in the back seat and the passenger side both put their seatbelts when someone's hands let go of the steering wheel. Yeah. Hmm. Is this yeah. when the limo turns over? I don't know what he's talking about. I don't think it's a limo, but it's, yeah, it's, it is that scene where um, Fincher's editor said, you know, you have you have Brad Pitt, or you have Edward Norton getting out of the wrong side of the car oh, when right. it turns over. I think it's that. I don't remember the specific seatbelt bit, but I, I know what Markson is talking about. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it must be something where, like, maybe Tyler doesn't put his seatbelt on? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, seatbelt humor. And Chris, uh, this does not surprise me at all. Let me uh, guess. Chris is Can I guess? One. Yeah, does it talk. start with the letter A in Star Charlize Theron? It does. It's called a monster. <laughs> it's called young adult. <laughs> it is indeed atomic blonde. Uh, near the start of the movie, Charlize Theron gets into a car. Distracted driving ensues, and yada yada yada. Someone's seatbelt gets unbuckled, and someone else hangs onto a seatbelt. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Chris. Chris was much carefuler than we were, Tom. It's not a spoiler. Is it? No, yeah. no. But uh, I think he's just being careful. Actress, right? He's Canadian. I did, I'm glad you remembered that she reached up and undid the other guy's seatbelt. That's the way. Super proactive. Yeah, I like that. I just love that she's got she's got three definitive things to do. She has to kick what's his name out of the car, the guy who's wondering why she's in Berlin. She has to do. She has to. No, she's got four things. She has to undo the seatbelt. She has to turn the steering wheel over, and then she has to wrap herself up. And she does all of those boom, boom, boom. And you guys are all like, she's misinterpreting what they want. They're just trying to be friends. <laughs> uh, I'm, wait, what? I'm on the, <laughs> wait, I'm on the fence on that, Dingus, just to be clear. I'm not right. I'm not 100% on Tom's. Wait, what are you talking about on Tom? It, there's no on Tom's side. She works with them. They are her colleagues. <laughs> I just oh my god, have you guys seen Atomic Blonde? Do I need to explain the plot again to you, Jokers? No, but by the end, you think by the end even, like after the parade, you're still on your side. Why does she show up? In, oh, I'm not doing this. Go, I'm not doing this. You guys, I'm both sentencing both of you to listen to the Atomic Blonde podcast where I explain it all. 
Uh, one of my runners up, uh, I, I love this movie up until the Wilhelm scream, and then the rest of this thing I can just do without. But uh, the, the bits where uh, Kurt uh, Russell kills Rose McGowan, Death Proof, I guess really gruesome. Oh. You know, he, she's in that little part of the, the sealed off car where there's no seatbelt, and he puts his on, and she's looking around for hers, and then he starts driving around violently and kills poor little Rose McGowan. Oh, um, I didn't think of and then, of course, the collision there. I think all the girls are wearing their seatbelts, and you see that it doesn't matter. You, very graphically, you see that it doesn't matter. Well, that's the um, thing. Your your organs are still moving within your body. I mean, a seatbelt can only do so much. And Quentin Tarantino shows very vividly what it yeah cannot yeah, do. Exactly. Yeah. And you brought up Kurt Russell. I forgot this. I think Chris Markinson said when uh, Val Kilmer first showed up in The Snowman, he thought it was <laughs> – Kurt Russell no. sporting a wig. Oh, God. Oh, well, Kurt Russell doesn't need a wig for hair like that, I will say. But, oh, my God, Kurt Russell's not – his face is way more intact. <laughs> oh. Have you not seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2? He's totally young looking. Yeah. Uh, uh, other runners up? I have did you one. have any others, Tom? Yeah, so you guys haven't seen a movie. So how do you guys feel about a movie called Locke? I love that movie so much. Are you kidding? Okay, let me then paint a picture for you. Uh-oh. Imagine Locke, but a more exciting version where instead of a dude dealing with his family life, there's crime stuff happening. And something's going down. It, like Locke crossed with Drive, but starring Frank Grillo. Oh, well, you kind of. You're getting my money here. What's going yeah, on? It's a movie on just came out on Netflix this weekend called Wheelman, which I really, really liked a lot. Uh, uh, and it's oh. basically you're watching Frank Grillo drive around, and there's a beautiful moment. So it, it's a first-time filmmaker, and he's actually really good. I like him a lot. His name is Jeremy Rush. And there's some great scenes of Frank Grillo driving where he'll do the typical thing where there's the inset shot of his feet on the pedals or moving the shifter or gripping the wheel. Um uh. And there's a bit later in the movie where in these quick cuts, he shows characters putting on seatbelts. And I don't want to spoil anything, but who these characters are and the fact that he's showing us them putting their seatbelts on, it, it matters. And it's a great little tiny just observation uh, that I really like. So a wheelman with Frank Grillo is really, really cool, especially if, like I think those of us on the podcast, you think Frank Grillo is a really cool leading man. Uh, which I I think he is. Um, well, I think he is too, especially because he drove a super cool car in that Purge movie. I know. Well, imagine that exactly, Dingus. So, what if that part of the Purge movie was made into its own full movie? Just Frank Grillo driving around in a car, getting business done. That's oh what God, I'm I'm so turned on right now. That, Dingus, settle down. I'm going to have Sorry. to host Dingus down. Uh, so yeah, uh, Wheelman. It's on it's on Netflix, uh, and it's got a cool seatbelt. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Damn it. Crap. I'm uh, excited Creep 2, despite everything. <laughs> All right. Good luck. I might have been too hard on Creep 2. I don't know. I just was You so... didn't like – I remember you kind of whining about Creep 1. Yeah. No, I'm the, I'm the one who whined about Creep 1. I'm the one who didn't like Creep. Really? I yeah, remember yeah. Tom being Tom being mixed. I had some issues with it. I mean, it's no overnight, I'll, I'll say. But uh, I, just, I think I was tired of the found footage and it didn't make sense to me. And, and he liked the jump scares, and I'm like, well, no, that's his signature move. Well, like the movie that we saw this week, I didn't find it scary at all. 
I didn't oh. find this movie that we saw this week scary in any way, and I didn't find Creep scary. I wished I had. I wanted it to be scary. So, Kelly Wan, then Creep 2 is for you. Dingus Wheelman is for you. Oh, right. man, I can't wait now. I have to see Wheelman. Tom Shops for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Geostorm only... is not for either of you. Don't Geostorm. go to Geostorm. Do not see right. Geostorm. Uh, the only um, runners-up I have, I, I love... Uh, when um, Gina Carano drags Michael Angareno into his car in Haywire, and she's like, put your seatbelt on, and she doesn't bother to put hers on. But she knows that danger is coming, but she's going to need to be able to get out of the car at a moment's notice, but she has to protect this doofus kid. But she makes a point of saying, put your seatbelt on. And I really I wanna, love that moment. I want a sound loop of that. Every time I get in my car, of Gina Carano telling me to put my seatbelt on. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Uh-huh. So. Kelly Wan, runners-up. Just Gina Carano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Are you guys ready for next week's topic? Uh-huh. Yeah. I will not entertain any questions because I'm afraid that the moment you ask one, you will ruin somebody's selection. I think this is pretty self-evident. Folks know what this is. Um, we do, we did. This is kind of like we did one about our favorite double crosses uh, a few weeks ago. This is kind of that. I'm going to give you guys a term for something that happens in movies – you know what it is. Don't ask, well, what about such and such? Well, what about this and that? Because you're going to ruin people's picks. So I want your favorite handoffs or exchanges. And you know what I'm talking about. It's like some character has to give somebody something else. and They have to trade things. Maybe they're criminals. Maybe they don't trust each other. Maybe there's someone watching. But your favorite handoffs or exchanges in movies. If you're listening and you're like, yeah, I can think of a cool one, send that into 3x3 at quarter2x3.com, and we would love to read it on the air. Also next week, uh, check out a little movie called Jigsaw. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to be upbeat. Uh, James Wan, Kelly. It's Justin Lin. Well, it's it's not no, it's it's the Spearling brothers. It's these cool Australian brothers who, so far, they they show that they've known what they're doing. We'll see if that if that maintains. They're working with a script from the writers of uh, well, you know, we'll talk about all this next week. So see Jigsaw, and if you have any thoughts about that, also send those in a separate email to three x three at quarter to three dot com, and join us for a Jigsaw pod- podcast for Halloween. Right? It's appropriate. And then we'll talk our favorite hands offs, hands offs, and ex- handoffs. And exchanges on the three by three. You don't I am Tom. Ask any oh. questions at all? Dingus, I'll allow you questions. Kelly Wan, no questions. Oh, I have one. Nope, okay. you can't. You can ask Dingus to ask it. We're Dingus, talking. Ask Tom. Okay, go. Yeah. No, I'm just asking. This is physical, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not like, not like. Oh, is he passed on his his traits to the child? Or... Not electronic or. Monetary. This is physical. Well, it could, like, the handoff might involve money, but yeah, I'm no, thinking I'm, physically, the physical, the in a scene where things have to physically be transferred, not, not like a downloading of a file or anything. Where, okay, where there, where there are two by exchange because yeah, you think basically, like yeah, there the are two money market. Right, there are two parties, and something is being handed off from one to the other or exchanged. And you know what? I'll just say this right off the bat. There's a, it, it's a, a, an important part of the movie Wheelman. So uh, let's Ooh. just, uh, you know what? We, you know, I'd, maybe I'll even leave that on the table. But it's what made me think of, it's it's what made me think of this as a topic. And there are some other uh, examples of this as well. All right, good. So join. I just wanted the exchanges to be cleared. That's good. Okay, Kelly, what did you want Dingus to ask me? 
Uh, I forgot now. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so join us for that next week. I'm Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Murkowski. It's Christian Murkowski. And Kelly Wand. The hair is actually outside the hole. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul With a corn cob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal Uh, the seatbelt makes you hard, but it's also harder to masturbate around. So it's kind of a trade. It's an exchange. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, Yes, sir? Walter, that's a question. That is correct. I like that Christine, the car, had seatbelts. Like, it's she's giving you a chance. You're up there with the legends, Kelly Wand. Ugh. Someone said that? <laughs>